Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, as we welcome you to the program today, the BMW Des Moines guest list looks like this. Uh, Joe O'Donnell from the Iowa Wild. Kind of feel bad for the Wild <laughs> this week, right? They come home uh-huh. for one game in two weeks. Right. And, oh, by the way, Iowa and Iowa State are both playing at 6 o'clock. Ah, at the same time. At the same time. Them. Right. So I Hockey mean, fans are covered, though. I hope so. And I hope that they make their way down there. Look, the team's going to look entirely different. We'll talk more about that with Joe O'Donnell. Their leading scorer, Jerry Mayhew, has got the call to the big club and has been parked on the first line. So, wow. <laughs> bye-bye. It uh, seems like he's finally getting his due, and if he performs at all, I think Iowa and Des Moines have uh, probably seen the last of the AHL's leading scorer. So Joe O'Donnell coming up, and look forward to our buddy Joe uh, as we talk hockey with him. And promise you hockey fans out there, you local hockey fans out there, we will do more so uh, as the uh, playoffs get closer. Shelby Mast is in tow today at 11 at uh, 10.45. I beg your pardon. He's our bracketologist. Shelby Mast, BracketWag.com will join us. We will uh, take our weekly look inside the brackets with our guy Shelby Mast at 11 o'clock. Scott Darkerman's in Indianapolis. He is participating in a whole bunch uh, of the uh, of the Combine interviews today, focusing clearly on the Hawks, which is his beat with the Athletic Bull. Speaking of the Hawks, we will do some basketball with him, but a lot of Combine information. Uh, if you're a Hawkeye football fan, Scott Dockerman has got you covered. Uh, he's there. I know Morehouse is there uh, as well. Perhaps we'll get Mark later in the week, but we've got Doc at 11, and then our buddy Zubin Mahente will go around the world of sports with Zubin as we do every Tuesday. Zubin joins the program at 11:20 Hawks clones pretty busy night locally last night um you know it wasn't bad I guess maybe my biggest takeaway, Trent, is what the hell has happened to West Virginia? Boy, are they circling the drain as the season comes to an end. Yeah, they've hit the skids, and though the computer metrics continue to be very good, West Virginia now has lost five out of six. They're not able to win away from home. And uh, this just in, they will not be able to play in Mountaineer Arena. No. Uh, coming up in the NCAA That's tournament. That's a blow, not, not a hosting site That's a blow. This year. <laughs> Didn't, wasn't aware of that. You know, another uh, thing, they got to put 68 teams in the bracket. I don't yeah. know if you've heard. And four teams do need to make the Final Four. This is all news to me, Trent. Well, I'm, I'm helping you out. That's what Thank I'm here for. Thank you very much. Yes. I'll, ca- I'll carry you during football. You uh, you do the same here, Jeremy. Right. So, I mean, think back to this game, right? And that's what dawned on me watching Texas and West Virginia last night. Was just, do you remember watching this game when the game was in Morgantown? And we oh, both yes. came in the next morning. Yes. Trent, Texas quit on Shaka Smart. They did. It, it was over. Yes, couldn't agree with you more, Ken. Kind of was. Uh, I watched the same thing. This team, they quit on their coach that night. There was that loose ball in the corner that they we just both didn't talked care. about. It's still. It's one of my memories of this uh-huh. college basketball season. And there's four guys for Texas just looking at the ball. Right. It's bouncing towards the corner. 
on their defensive end, and nobody's even yeah, going you, after you the You get ball. it. I don't want to. You take it. Right. <laughs> but uh, certainly a turnaround last night. Give them credit. Texas is back. Well, we can go that far. I said this. I think I said that after the bowl game last year, pursuant to football. So <laughs> I think did. I've already played my Texas's back card. Three straight wins. No, no they're playing well. One at K State, two mm-hmm. home wins, TCU in West Virginia. Now here comes Texas Tech this weekend. This is one of my questions for Shelby. Do they have a pulse? If they can get the next two are on the road at Tech this weekend at Oklahoma, win one of those road games mm-hmm. and then beat Oklahoma State at the end, which is clearly possible. There's still work to be done in the in the Big Twelve tournament. So get past open, get past their opening round opponent. Yes, they're played. They've played themselves out of the uh, of the opening night of the tournament by the looks of things. I already got a couple of first four matchups ready to go for Dayton. You get, do yes. VCU's on the wrong side of the bubble right now, but they can play themselves back in mm-hmm. against Texas. So okay. we'll get that matchup. Okay, and then the other one. How about this? That's sexy. Yep. UCLA, who is by the way. A game back in the Pac-12 standings, which is incredible. It is against Cincinnati, another bubblish wow. team. Wow! I got a couple of matchups already set for him. Yeah. I'm not going to send this to Indianapolis. Get these guys ready. No, and that, raring to go because those are must see. Yes, Dayton matchups. Right. I would love both of those. Former games. coach, current coach. Yes, let's do it. Uh, it'll be here before we know it. Sadly, right? Because uh, we're certainly not wishing away this final couple of weeks of the regular season. So Iowa State's got TCU tonight. Uh, certainly a winnable basketball game. You told me before the program Iowa State is a tepid favorite tonight. They were favored. The opening line that I saw was four. They mm-hmm. came out on an offshore site. It's at two and a half currently, pretty much across the board. So that's a little bit more where I anticipated. Me I saw too. that four number. Got to jump on right away at that number. I, I felt and grabbed. So TCU. do do you still have your uh, illegal wagering account? I do. It's still, still open. Still breaking the law. It's still a couple bucks in that account. So uh-huh. we play around with it from time to time. A lot of, I do a lot of those long shot favorites on that one too, just to see if I can build it out and maybe see if I can get a check. Probably won't anymore. The Caribbean is difficult to get money in general yeah. from. Probably even more difficult, I'd say, these days. I wonder, I wonder how, how much their business is hurting. Oh, boy. It has to be significant. But yes. Well, look, here's the good news, I guess, for them. It's not legal across the country. Right. It's it's only certain states, as we know, but uh, it certainly has to be hurting um, anyways. Well, uh, so, so two and a half is the number. Now, meanwhile, uh, in East Lansing, by the way, a couple of things on this Michigan State game. Morning Rush has Tom Izzo tomorrow. That's incredible. That really is. Good for Heather. Mm-hmm. And uh, she reached out to Tom Izzo this morning. I guess her and Paul met her. Her husband, Paul, uh, met uh, met Izzo when he was in town uh, with the uh, with Sparty last year at the uh, NCAA tournament. And she reached out to him this morning. She, and the guy got right back to her. Yes. Three minutes. That's awesome. Text her back in three minutes. I'd love to come on. And he, he said in the text, Heather, just telling us this morning, win, lose, or draw. So regardless of what happens tonight, Izzo will be on the morning rush at 7.15. 7.15 tomorrow morning, so that should be uh, certainly a, a good listen tomorrow. Uh, 7.15 morning rush with Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo. Speaking of Michigan State and speaking of Iowa basketball, I'm going to remind you a couple of times here at 5.59 tonight, our contest uh, what is our contest? Well, Dr. Stephen Fuller, FullerDental.net, has provided us with two tickets to the sold-out Penn State game, Penn State-Iowa, this Saturday at 11 o'clock in the morning. Trent went online yesterday trying to f- find out how much these tickets are going for. It is an expensive ticket. There's two home games left. There's only one of those home games going to take place over a weekend. Saturday, 11 o'clock, if you want to see Penn State 
versus Iowa. Uh, go to KXNO.com, click on the contest tab. All we ask you to do is closest without going over total points in tonight's Michigan State-Iowa game. Total points, Michigan State-Iowa. If you get that number closest without going over and you're the only one that has that number, you'll win two tickets to this Saturday's Penn State-Iowa game. However, if there's more of you, we will go to the tiebreaker. Also closest without going over, Luca Garza combined points and rebounds in tonight's contest. So does he foul out? Does he have an off night? All these things will come into play. But the contest closes at 559kxno.com. Click the contest tab. It'll take you, what, a minute? Yeah, about that. 90 if, seconds, maybe? If that. It's uh, very quick, and you got a great chance to win right now. 55 people are in the contest. I mean, you're talking about an unbelievable chance to do that. Right. Let's get those numbers up a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, a great opportunity to win. All you got to do, figure out those points, figure out Luca for the tiebreaker, and you're good to go. You know, we have to figure out, and this is kind of jealous. I mean, Murph and Andy will put up a poll. What kind of jam do you want on your toast? Well, that's Grape, raspberry, strawberry. <laughs> and they'll get 2,000 entries. But that's one put. You push the button. When it pops up there. That's a little bit different than a contest. Well, it's 90 seconds, and we've got tickets to give away. To pay. Anyways, we move on. Uh, I'm not being petty one bit. I'm not. Uh, full credit to those two. They've had an unbelievable uh, two-hour program from 2 until 4 in the afternoon. But we've got tickets to give away. KXNO.com. So, um, Iowa-Michigan State tonight. I think it's a winnable basketball game, Trent. Yeah. I do. And Fredericks, there's still no decision whether he's going to you know, be able to answer the bell tonight. What's your best guess? Are they saving him for Saturday? I don't think he's going to go this evening. And if he's cleared, if he's medically cleared, is it a decision for Fran McCaffrey or just roll him out there? He's medically cleared. If we're he's going medically to go. cleared, I, th- I think you play him. <laughs> Because, like you said, this feels like a winnable game. Uh-huh. Now, you look at this perspective when we're talking Iowa basketball, certainly different than I do. I've told you before, this was the sport that hooked me on sports. Mm-hmm. Iowa basketball was it for me. And I have a lot of scar tissue <laughs> right. from the Breslin Center. Yeah. Iowa only has one victory there since the Chris Street game, the first game back after his passing in the last, well, we're talking 27 years it was what happened five years ago. They got a game there when they were playing really well early mm-hmm. in the season. But outside of that, and it's not only that they've lost games in East Lansing, but it's the fashion that they've lost games. It is throttling. It is looking awful. There's been plenty of teams that we've seen from Michigan State that appear to be wounded, appear not to be quite an Izzo type of team when Iowa makes their way up there, and then it just completely gets away. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I can't jump aboard. I, I just, I have... Maybe it's blinders on to this one. It's difficult for me to envision any scenario, C.J. Frederick or not, where Iowa finds a way to win this game. Well, uh, the two out of their last three, they've been blown out. Uh, two of the last three road games, I'm referring to. The Purdue game, the Indiana game. Of course, they got Minnesota uh, when they were down. What were they down with five minutes left? I don't remember. There was eight. eight? Yeah. Uh, it was then, a quick eight-nothing run out of Minnesota. Right. It was tied. They scored yep. eight straight. Yep. And then Iowa made the comeback. So uh, I guess if you're looking for uh, just to put the glass half full, they won their last road contest. Didn't lose two out of the last three, which they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I don't know. I just think that, look, Michigan State, is a is a good team, but so is Iowa, Trent. So is Iowa. Uh, th- this one's tonight's got a chance, I think, to be really good. Be All right, really good. so let's start with... Tillman Garza. Hello. That's a good one. Yeah. And give me Luca Garza every single uh-huh. time. It, it, it almost feels like we're at the point with Luca Garza that we're, 
almost overlooking him because we've been talking about this run. He's putting up numbers that are historical. He, well, the country's noticing too. We they are. we may be we may feel like it's kind of second nature for us, but the country's talking about him. But we gloss over and Luca Garza had twenty four and ten. Right. Yeah. He is averaging the most points in the Big Ten since Big Dog. I know. Glenn Robinson. I know. And there's people listening right now that say, who's are, Big are Dog? Are Googling him. Right. Glenn Robinson was a prolific scorer. Mm-hmm. Went to the Milwaukee Bucks, number one pick for Purdue. He was incredible. And nobody in the, well, we're talking about early 90s here, almost 30 years, has scored at a clip that Luca Garza is right now in Big Ten play. We haven't seen a guy like this in Iowa. We haven't seen a guy put up these kind of numbers and the consistency that he's doing it as a big guy. Guards, you're going to get your shots. Much more difficult for mm. a big guy to get those kind of shots it's and get those footwork, Trent. It's his oh, footwork. It's so just, it really is. You know, his dad uh, has been quoted recently. Did he say it on, on Kicks? You know? I, th- I think the morning rush had, had, uh, had, had uh, what's his name? Frank Garza. Frank, yeah. Um, that Luke is coming back? Did, did he make that announcement? Or am I dreaming? Well, he said something, yeah, very similar to that, that he anticipates he'll be back. Well. That's what you say during the season. I guess. I guess. True. But that's, it's, I mean, it, I, that's coming from his dad, though. I put a little bit more I don't stock think in that. My dad didn't know everything going on in my life when I was 21. <laughs> No, prob- thank God for that. Yeah, probably so. Uh, probably so. Well, anyways, uh, it's 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 got a chance, I think, tonight to be a terrific basketball game. Um, so, per, set, set, paint the perfect picture. Obviously, Iowa comes out and look. I don't expect them to come out like they did against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You know, to get on that kind of a run early and then never give the Buckeyes an opportunity to get back into it. But you don't want to see it. The tables turned where Michigan State can't miss early in the basketball game, and I was struggling to make anything. We've seen that movie before. That's exactly what happened at Purdue after I think mm-hmm. Deny would take the lead two zip, and then you blink and it was Eight, twenty to two or something. Eighteen to two. Eighteen to two. Eighteen straight out of the Boilermakers. You're going to have to certainly guard on the outside. I think I was fine with Garza and how good he has become defensively. He's still not an elite level defender by any way, ways, but. He certainly made big improvements on that end of the floor and him against Tillman. You feel okay with that. But on the outside, you have to get out. Rocket Watts is not a great shooter. No. He's a guy, he's a volume scorer. Uh He's going to get a lot of shots up. Same thing with Cassius Cassius Winston. He's a solid, solid point guard, but he's not a guy that you'd anticipate is going to go off and score 27 and have six threes. That's not the way that his game is. If Iowa can cover up those shooters, they have a chance here. More likely for Iowa to win. 85-82. Or 65-62. What's a more realistic path for Iowa to win this game? See, I think it's the former. You do? I do. In a shootout, Iowa gets it done. I think so. I just don't think they're going to be able to get in a shootout because we know what's going to happen. Izzo's going to say right away, hey, watch Luca Garza. You know mm-hmm. what he does? He's, he gets that mm-hmm. arm up there. That's an offensive foul. He's going to be working those officials from the get-go. And then on the other end of the floor, it is going to be the garbage clutch-and-grab defense that Michigan State has employed yeah. for the last two decades. It is not fun basketball to watch, but they get away with it to another Certainly level. at home at the Breslin they do. Here's the thing. Joe Wieskamp's going to snap out of a long road slump Has tonight, to. Trent. Any chance at all of yep. winning this it has to be there. You can't anticipate you're going to get 24 off the bench from Evelyn and from uh, from Pemsel. That's that was the once a season yeah. that you're going to get that kind of production. Although Evelyn's been a whole lot better. He's in been this better. He really has. But Trent. 24? No, that's asking too much. I agree with you. A dozen? That was a career high. If if you shoot for a dozen out of those two, that's more realistic path. And maybe combined dozen or a dozen yeah, apiece? Yeah, combined. Oof. Yeah, no more than that. Do- to win though, maybe it's got to be. 
18. Yeah. Split the difference there and mm-hmm. get to 18. So you get bunch, bench production. Garza does his thing. He gets his 25 and 10. And Cho Toussaint stays on the floor. Mm-hmm. That's that's critical. Because he is so he good can, defensively. He can stay in front of guys, right. Right. And and if he's not out there, it's Evelyn trying to guard Winston. Yeah. It's a lot of zone. And that's another thing that concerns me. Mm-hmm. The zone against Michigan State, the way they shoot the ball at home. I got a lot of negatives. You're you're trying to paint the picture of the positivity. I just want to see a struggling. good game tonight, Trent. Look, when when the, it became very apparent that Luca Garza was having the year that he did, one of the first things I did was I wanted to see when the Michigan State game was because I knew it was only going to happen once, and because Tillman Garza promised to be, you know, mm-hmm. a classic, and I think it's going to be because of those two bigs. I mean, Tillman is really good. Tillman is really good. Luca Garza, unbelievable. He's the player of the year, clearly in the conference. One thing, uh, looking at some of the advanced stats that I didn't realize, Michigan State turning the ball over a ton this year, at least for their standards. That's something I didn't anticipate there. A little careless with the ball. Who was that, Rocket Watts probably? Uh, maybe. That, that, they, that guy's I, wild. I remember watching the Maryland game, and we get that again this Saturday. Yes, we, we do. Not? Quick turnaround. Awesome. Um, and they, they, they took care of the basketball in that one. That was not the reason that they lost, but Maryland came into the Breslin and took it to them. Mm-hmm. Took it to them. Had that run in the second half. And, yep. That was another, I mean, it was kind of like the Iowa run against Minnesota, just end of the game, boom, mm. and Maryland got it done in that one. Winnable game, on paper. I, and true. what we've seen this year, well, I, scar tissue, still hurting me, Yeah, getting through it. No, look at it, if you're a sports fan, you've got scar tissue, yes. whatever it is, right? Uh, Messier, Coffee, Gretzky, Anderson, Lowe, <laughs> those Oilers, they show up in my dream still. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we move on. So Iowa State tonight. I don't think that there is any way that they're going to avoid uh, playing in the opening night of the tournament. What I do want to get to, and I meant to find this before, did you see George Condit's, uh, did you hear George Condit's um, response to one of the questions that the, there was a media availability yesterday for the Iowa State media okay and of course uh, Perome was part of it uh, and so was um, so were some of the players for sure and one of those players was was George Condit and he made it sound like some of his teammates aren't really engaged in what the and what's going on here negativity yeah and it, it permeates through and you can he didn't want to answer the questions as i recall and i'm trying to find it it was either was it was it heinz or was it uh halstead maybe that had the quote well you can understand that this is a team that is struggling mightily right now and slice it up any way you want 11 and 16 but the fashion that they're losing. And that's the part that I think you have to be more concerned about than anything. This team was 11-16, and 16, but was out there competing, working hard. Right. And, and they have been, Trent, look, the last, the Texas Tech game, they just, that was awful. Mm-hmm. That was all. Here's the, here's the quote. We have to take blame for this one. This is Condit. We have to take blame for this one. He can't take, uh, keep taking blame for everything. That's Prome that he's referring to. It's on the players. Players have to step up and want to do things. The follow-up question. Is that not happening right now? Nine seconds of pause and no answer. Whoa. Players have to step up and want to do things. Is that not happening right now? No answer. Hmm. Infighting? Well, certainly pointing fingers that he didn't name names. Right. But he's certainly pointing fingers at, uh, at some of his, you know, to, at this, to this point, nameless teammates. But that was a telling answer to me. That was a telling answer. Have we seen the last win from Iowa State this year? No. They get it done tonight? 
Because if they don't, yeah, like they certainly could. Mm. Like they're playing the right team tonight. They, they got K State. They got Oklahoma State. West Virginia circling the drain. No, they're going to win a couple. They're going to win another game, Trent. They're going to win. And I hope it's. At, I hope it's at Hilton. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that that's where the win comes from. And then Kansas City. Mm, yeah. Who knows? The the good news is the bottom of the Big Twelve is where they where they reside mm-hmm. is uh, is having as disappointing a season as, as they are. So I think there's a chance we're going to get a break in here. Want to make sure that we get to Shelby Mast on time. Our bracketologist, lots of ground to cover with Shelby uh, based on what we saw this past weekend with the one, three, and four ranked teams all going down to defeat Texas. Are they moving up? What is this loss last night due to West Virginia? Are they in trouble? Is it costing them? It's clearly costing. In the seating. Oh, no doubt. I don't think that they're playing their way out of anything. And no. obviously, one of the big questions we want to bring up is with, um, uh, with, with you and I. And do they have a chance? Is there a pathway to an at-large? By the way, if you're a Ben Jacobson fan, we have him on Thursday. Andy Katz had him yesterday. Mm-hmm. Did you click on the piece? I did, yeah. I did too, and I thought it was a really good list. I like listening to Ben Jacobson. How long was it? Six minutes, seven something minutes, like something yep. like that. I thought it was a really good listen. Um, Andy Katz, who, does he work for the NCAA? He does, yeah. That's one of the uh, pieces. You see there's a disclaimer at the bottom of all his articles, though, that he basically it says he is not a writer. I, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but it's basically saying this is Andy Katz's opinion. This right. is not the NCAA's opinion, which I, I think is funny. I mean, they get any kind yeah. of journalistic right. integrity at all, and they have to put that disclaimer at the bottom mm-hmm. of each article. Mm-hmm. I can understand why they do that. That guy hustles, though. He no, works. he does a good job, Trent. Big he's got Ten it. Network. He's got he it, yes. Works for Fox. And he's good on both of them. Oh, no I, I, like his, I like his contributions. Writes for the NCAA, does his own mm-hmm. thing with the podcast. He is all over the place, and after... Still don't understand how, yeah, how ESPN let him, let him go. go. Right, uh, That guy was... Maybe it was money. Yeah, Who knows? Could have been, yeah. Uh, we will uh, take a time out. We'll talk to Joe O'Donnell coming next. Team is going to look different down the stretch. You know, it's kind of like the I-Cubs, right? You spend the, the guys spend the summer uh, in Des Moines. You get off to a great start. You're sailing to the playoffs, and then all the guys get called up. Well, they had a couple of major call-ups, including the leading scorer of the AHL, Jerry Mayhew. He has been placed on the number one line for the Wild tonight. Um, We'll see. Fiala, Stahl, Mayhew for the Minnesota Wild. Have we seen the last of him? We'll ask Joe O'Donnell. That is the Wild come home for one night before heading right back out on the road. Miller and Condon till noon. Shelby Mass, 1045 Bracketology. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Station 1460 KXNO and now on 106.3 FM. Talking sports with you right up until noon. Uh, still to come this hour, Gannett's bracketologist Shelby Mast. You can see his brackets everywhere, USA Today, dot, dot, dot. You can hear him here with Trent and I in 15 minutes in the 11 o'clock hour. We'll head to Indianapolis. Uh, Scott Dockerman is there from The Athletic. We will uh, pick his brain on what's going on. And uh, then Zubin Mahente, around the world of sports with Zubin 1120. Let's talk some puck, shall we? Trade deadline the NHL has come and gone. Not a lot of movement from the team that in that regard. But there have been a couple of guys that have got the call up to the big show. Uh, Joe 
O'Donnell, who's uh, will call the game tonight. The Wild home tonight, and then back on the road until March the fifteenth. That is crazy, Joe O'Donnell. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me, fellas. I was uh, just lamenting this long road trip myself and wondering uh, if we're going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, California, Winnipeg, Grand Rapids. You know, why not just? Sprinkling a trip to Siberia too. Well, they do. You're going to Winnipeg already, so they've got that yeah. looked after. Yeah. Hey, uh, Good point. Good point. Jerry Mayhew gets the call, and uh, you know, unlike in previous op- opportunities for him, when he's been called up, they've parked him on the fourth line, which is asking a ton. Guys down here playing first line minutes, then he goes up there and he plays, you know, eight minutes, nine minutes a game. Well, that's not the case. Apparently, uh, Michael Russo wrote on the Athletic that he's going to play with Fiala and he's going to play with Stahl. He is getting first line and power play opportunities. Uh, I have a feeling that Iowa and Des Moines might have seen the last of Jerry Mayhew. He certainly deserves it. That's what it's supposed to do, but it's kind of got to be bittersweet, right? Yeah, I hope he gets a real shot, Ken. You're right. The reports are um, you know, practicing yesterday on the top line. He's going to play tonight. Now, Luke Cunning's only out for, you know, best-case scenario, a few more days for Minnesota. So who knows how long Mayhew's stint up there will be. Uh, but certainly it's a great opportunity, again, to get another call up, to add some more NHL games on his resume. And if he's not playing for Minnesota in the future, hopefully he's playing for the other 30 NHL teams. Uh, they'll be watching tape or the scouts are in attendance because you want the best for the player and the, and the person. And Jerry Mayhew, he deserves it. He's worked his bag off down here. And um, he's certainly a guy that, you know, it's lit up the AHL this year, and I, I wish him nothing but the best up there in Minnesota. We'll see how it shakes out for him starting tonight. So what is this, uh, what's the impact to the Iowa Wild? Of course, going up there, you're happy for the guy, but how does this impact what they do game-to-game game for the Iowa Wild? That's a great question, Trent. It'll start tonight with Chicago Wolves coming to town. Uh, it's going to be an opportunity for somebody else. The one thing that the Wild have going for them right now is depth, competition, five players uh, that are healthy that weren't in the lineup for and Cody McLeod is getting close to returning from injury this past week plus three guys were sent down to the double-A level just to get some games. So you really have basically seven or eight players chomping the bit to get into the Iowa lineup right now. Um, and so when Mayhew goes up, then it gives somebody else a chance to step into the fold. I haven't checked the team's uh, depth chart for today and what the you're thinking. My guess is that Kyle Rowell might slide up there, uh, but Colton Beck sort of waiting in the wings as well. Uh, he's a left winger, can play all three, four positions really. So we'll see who gets the chance, but mostly, I guess, opportunity for the next man up type of mentality for the Iowa Wild. Uh, kind of give us a four-one-one, Joe. How has the team been playing since uh, Trent, uh, myself, and you uh, had our last conversation? I mean, they continue to hold their place. They're still chasing Milwaukee. Milwaukee's really good. That comes as no surprise. But they're holding their place and uh, they're holding their spot in the Central Division, uh, which is right behind the uh, Admirals in second place. Uh, is that kind of what's just not spinning your wheels? But uh, you haven't been able to make up any ground on the first place club, while at the same time holding your place, uh, holding the other teams at bay. Yeah, they, you know, when the eight-game winning streak came to an end, the Wild got right back on track, beating Milwaukee in, in uh, Milwaukee last weekend. That moved Iowa within five points in division lead. Uh, but then Friday night was one of those just heartbreakers, losing what was a tie game with a minute ten to play. Uh, ended up rallying to win then on uh, Saturday night. So 
winning two of the last three since the eight-game winning streak came to an end. Probably should have earned a point, played really well Friday night in that 4-3 loss in Texas. Um, so really, the team hasn't lost its stride, but Milwaukee just keeps winning outside of when the Wild beat them last week. So it's just hard to close the gap when the team in front of you is playing so well. Uh, but there's such a playoff cushion, meaning between Iowa and the rest of the division. You know, it's Milwaukee, the Iowa Wild, and then sort of everybody else. This is the first time in seven years, of course, the Wild made the playoffs last year for the first time ever, and it came down to the wire. This is going to be the first year where unless, you know, something catastrophic happens, right. the Iowa Wild are going to probably have some meaningless games in April, uh, which will be interesting to see how that plays out with who gets the opportunity, who gets the ice time. Because Tim Army wants to win every night. I don't know how he's going to handle games where the teams get a playoff spot sewn up mm-hmm. trying to keep these guys motivated because they're, they're literally, you know, they're three wins off last year's season total, uh, mm. which is insane with 20-some games to go. Now that that really is. Joe Donnell uh, is the voice of the Iowa Wild. Of course, Joe, yesterday the was the NHL trade deadline, and... It certainly, I would have to think, was um, was on the minds of some of the guys on the Wilds roster because a lot of these trades come with, you know, either a draft pick, but a lot of them throw a prospect in, and most of the time that prospect is playing in the AHL. Did you notice any, not tension perhaps, but what was the mood like as the NHL trade deadline was, was coming to its end, knowing that, you know, that a lot of these uh, moves involve prospects? Well, I know everybody that was at the Wild facility here at Wells Fargo Arena was tuned in yesterday, but the players were given a day off, so most of the guys stayed away. Uh, I know Nico Sturm was over here to do a workout and get some treatment, but I think everybody else enjoyed uh, a much-needed day off. I know when I was around, the Coach Army had it on. Alex Kangay was here. Um, you know, remember last year he was working in the media for the NHL Network, so he had gone through sort of the trade deadline uh TV experience the last couple of years, so he was given some um, his opinion on some of the deals that shook down and what the studio analysts were going through on such a crazy day. So that was kind of cool to pick his brain for a minute. But um, yeah, certainly, you know, the American Hockey League is always affected by the NHL trade deadline. You know, look for a minute like Zach Parise yes. was going to get moved by yeah. Minnesota, uh, which would have shaken some, you know, really shaken some things up with the organization. That never came to fruition. Um, so really it was kind of a quiet day when it was all said and done for Minnesota. Yeah, that would had to be a little bit different, right, especially for Parise. Look, he knew about it. It's not like they were doing this behind his back because he had to waive his no yeah. trade. Andrew Ladd, which apparently was gonna, he was going to come the other way, uh, he's got a big contract and certainly hasn't been living up to that. But this is one of the faces of the wild uh, that apparently was, um, you know, was close to, uh, to moving on. Yeah, and I think I would say that I, I guess I'd be surprised if he, you know, comes back. If he, I guess I'd be surprised if he starts the year next year. I'm with you. Minnesota Wild, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you go down that path. He's willing to move his no trade, and then you just say, okay, you know, the season's over whenever it ends. So let's get you ready for next year. I feel like sort of like the Jason Zucker deal. It didn't mm-hmm. happen over the summer. Uh, they revisit it come you know a week or so from the trade deadline. They get it done. They move him to Pittsburgh. If the Islanders want him, if Lou Lamarillo and him still have that relationship from New Jersey and, and Breezy's willing to go there for a cup run, potentially, I don't know why he wouldn't at least explore or, or give them permission to, to pull the trigger in the summer, too. Now, you know, I don't want to say it's a done deal because I don't have that information, but I'd be kind of surprised, I guess, you go that far down the path. I'm with you. It's weird that you, that you wouldn't explore it again.
Joe O'Donnell joining us, the voice of the Iowa Wild. Joe, uh, jumping uh, to that Minnesota team up north, Bruce Boudreaux was let go a week and a half ago. Valentine's Day, no love there for <laughs> Boudreaux on that day. But does that make any impact to you in terms of organizationally? How much connection is there between Coach Army with the Iowa Wild and up there? Any impact for you guys? I wouldn't say on the, in the short term um, because it, it's not like they brought Coach Army up to fill a spot on their bench or mm-hmm. you know shuffled anything around uh, that affected Iowa. But there is obviously conversation that goes on, if not daily, certainly weekly between the two sides uh, with our GM Tom Kerbers and uh, obviously the coaching staff working together and talking about players and personnel decisions. So um, it wasn't as much of a ripple as you might expect. Uh, but I would say, Trent, that you know certainly it'll be interesting to see how Dean Evison fares there and if he is the long-term solution or if Minnesota decides to bring somebody else in to run the ship for next season. I guess that, you know, it's sort of a wait-and-see approach. But, I, you know, I was on the day before with you guys in studio and then I said to Kenny after Bruce got fired, like, I uh, certainly didn't see that coming. <laughs> no. So I don't, I don't think that many people in the hockey world did see it coming because Minnesota, you know, again, still very much in a playoff. Uh, race right now about five or so points out of the final wild card spot to make the coaching change. It's not like they were in a six or seven game slump or a slide. So uh, it was definitely the timing was a bit, um, I think, peculiar and probably caught a lot of people off guard. No doubt about it. I certainly didn't see that coming either. Joe, Donald, Joe, seven o'clock puck drop tonight. Then you're out on the road for literally a couple of weeks. You're back on March the 15th. Yeah. We will uh, talk to you when the, when the team gets home. Uh, seven o'clock puck drop tonight. Wells Fargo Arena, Chicago Wolves in town. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good to talk to Joe Donnell, uh, joining us from the Iowa Wild. So if you want to see him, get your hockey fix. Well, you've always got the Bucks. You do. That's not a bad consolation by any means. Uh, But uh, Iowa Wild home and then on the road to the 15th. Want to talk some brackets? Let's do it. Shelby Mast will join Trent and I next. Bracketwag.com. Bracketwag.com. Trent and I until noon. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. this one very often. You like it? I do like this one. Uh, As we take you up until noon in the 11 o'clock hour, we'll head to Indianapolis. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic at the Combine and Zuba Mahente will go around the world of sports with Trent and myself. Uh, Shelby Mass right now. He's BracketWag.com in his regular spot. We're grateful for Shelby for uh, carving out time on uh, during his week to do this and we appreciate today uh, just as much. Thank you, Shelby. How are you? Trent and Ken in Des Moines. Oh, I'm not doing too bad. I had a good day on Saturday. That Baylor-Kansas uh, game sure was fun. Yes, it Ooh, was. I'll say. Number one, number two, uh, certainly looked that way on the court. Shelby, before we get into the nuts and bolts this week, I don't think we have talked about that uh, this this year because somebody was asking me the other day, so you have this Shelby guy on, and it's bracket WAG. What does WAG hmm. stand for? So, Shelby, tell the people the uh, origin of bracket WAG. I used to work for a printing company, 
And early on in my career there, I got uh, matched up with uh, the head of the estimating department, and he was explaining how a lot of the estimating worked, and if there was some job he just couldn't estimate correctly or he felt good about it, he used the WAG method, which stood for wild-ass gift. <laughs> so, so your bracket's a wild... Well, you've done very well making wild-ass guesses, yes. Shelby. You've turned it into a little cottage industry for you, as Gannett has picked you up, and you are the bracketologist for Gannett and a whole bunch more. Uh, Shelby, uh, you mentioned Baylor, Kansas. It was a terrific basketball game. Certainly, uh, I learned uh, uh, that my take on Baylor is dead wrong. They absolutely belong amongst the best in college basketball. I think they proved that. But what we saw on Saturday night, big picture, Baylor gets getting beat uh, didn't catch you know we thought Kansas might win but then later on in the night right uh, uh, there down goes San Diego State down goes Gonzaga the one the two and the four the one the two and the four all four all fall what did that do to your bracket Shelby it really didn't do much uh, Gonzaga lost on the road to BYU who is a lot to be in the tournament they are a very good uh, team very good shooting team uh, and the San Diego State, that's the one that was a tough one because of their remaining schedule, UNLB was the worst team on it, and it was a home game. I think in the long run, it's going to be good for them because they got that monkey off their back about being undefeated. And I kept them on the one line. Had Maryland won on Sunday, I would have moved Maryland mm. up to the one line. But they didn't. So San Diego State stays there for now. Uh, it might be best for them if they end up a two-seed because then they'd be out west, which fits them better. Let Maryland go be the one seed in the east. That fits them a little bit better. Uh, but I, San Diego State's hold on that one spot is tenuous at best right now. You know, you look at those uh, two, three seeds in that range, teams that still can make a run and jump up and grab maybe one of the final number one seeds when we get to the big bracket. Two teams, uh, in fact, three teams now from the Big East on your three line. Villanova, Seton Hall, and Creighton. Creighton playing the best certainly right now. Villanova, it's been up and down for them this season. And Seton Hall, they've had injuries, but a really talented team with maybe the player of the year and Miles Powell on it. Those three Big East teams, is it basically, if one of those three teams could win out, would they be able to nab a number one seed in your mind? I it, it, There's an outside shot. Uh, as of right now, I'd say probably not, just because I don't think there's enough time left. Mm-hmm. But that Big East tournament is going to be stacked. Yes, it is. Every game is just, it's not a walkover game. Whoever wins that tournament, if it's one of those three, I think they have to be seriously looked at for the one line, uh, unless they lose a couple until before that tournament. But those are all three really good teams. And what a lot of people don't realize, I've had a lot of questions. Why, you know, why the Seton Hall? You know, they've lost so many in a row or whatever. They've got more quad one road wins than any other mm. team. Coming up behind them is Creighton, and followed by Villanova. So playing in that conference this year, there are lots of opportunities for big wins. Uh, even though the the lower teams in that conference, uh, DePaul and St. John's, those are no pushover games. And so I think they they're building themselves up. Not as deep as the Big Ten, but I think only because they don't have as many teams. Shelby, more likely that one of these two teams I'm about to put in front of you gets in, both get in or neither get in, and the two I'm talking about, out of the Big 12, Texas, who had a nice win last night over West Virginia, they've still got at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma, and home to Okie State, or Minnesota from the Big Ten, who will 
host Maryland at Wisconsin at Indiana, and then finish up hosting Nebraska. Which team is closer to the tournament at this point, or do either uh, of those have very little chance of getting in? I think both of them are pretty much out. I've got them in the group uh, on life support. I've actually moved. No, I've, yeah, I've got both of them in there on life support. I think that they realistically need to win their conference tournament. I guess there is an outside shot. If Texas wins uh, against, at Texas Tech, then I'm going to put them back alive. I don't think they will get in. The committee stresses how you do in your opportunities against quad one and two uh, games. It's not how many wins you get, but what you do with your opportunities. And I think Texas is 4-11. and 11. That's mm. not taking advantage of your opportunities. On the local front, Northern Iowa team that continues to be very intriguing. They have two games left of the regular season before Arch Madness. Before we get into can they, can't they get there without winning in St. Louis, the resume as a whole, only two games in the quadrant one. They have the victory that they blew the lead against West Virginia uh, and Colorado on the road, which looks nice in there. But quadrant two, four and two, you're talking about a team, the top two quadrants that has only played eight games and is five and three in them. Because of that, is that maybe a demerit against the Panthers? I don't think so, because you look at Belmont last year that got in as an at-large. They were 3-2 and two versus quads mm. 1-2. and two. They took advantage of the opportunities they had and had a winning record. I think the same thing applies here. It's not spectacular like some of these other teams, but given the opportunities, they have a winning record against quad 1-2. and two. That road win against Colorado, I still think that holds a lot of water. Uh, Colorado is a solid team, and it was one that was mentioned by the committee a couple weeks ago when they did their bracket reveal. Uh, and to win a true road game against a team like that, no matter when it took place, that's impressive. They got a neutral win over South Carolina, another Power 5 school. Uh, it's a neutral court win, but it's still it's away from home. And uh, the West Virginia, I mean, that's close enough. What stinks for them now is West Virginia's kind of fallen off. I've moved them down to the five line. But the, the worst loss, uh, worst losses are road games to conference opponents, so I don't think the committee is going to ding them too much for that unless they lose one of their remaining regular season games and don't get to the semifinals at the very least. Then they're going to be in trouble come selection Sunday. But if they get to probably the semis and maybe the finals, uh, without losing a regular season game, it's going to be tough to keep them out. Shelby Mass, bracketwag.com. Shelby, Iowa goes on the road tonight. They're at East Lansing. Uh, you've got both Michigan State and Iowa on the five line. Iowa is your 17 overall seed, meaning they're of the four five seeds. They're closest to moving to the four line. What does tonight's game do? I mean, if Iowa goes on the road not knowing, obviously, what's going to happen to the fours that you've got right now, but how big is tonight's game for both Iowa or Michigan State as far as moving up that five and bettering their seed? I don't think it will move Michigan State to the four line because it's a home game, and you're supposed to you'll take care of your home game. For Iowa State, if they win this Iowa. game tonight, yep. I, I'm sorry, Iowa, uh, if they win this game tonight, I will be moving them ahead of Penn State onto the four line. That's a that's a big win. That's a marquee road win that the committee loves. And Iowa is already up there close enough. And I only moved Penn State there because I know they lost their last two, but they were ahead of Iowa mm-hmm. on the true seed list. And West Virginia falling like that, somebody had to go up there. And I wasn't comfortable putting Iowa yet. I'm not comfortable with Penn State. But Iowa getting this win tonight, I would absolutely be comfortable with it and might even move them above Auburn. 
Shelby, I, I got to know the RPI system very well, the scheduling component that was in place for so many years. And one of the big things is how you scheduled non-conference-wise is not playing those real bottom-tier teams, those teams in the 300s of the RPI would drag your RPI down with it. With the new net system, Iowa this year has played three teams that are in the uh, bottom 300 of the net, Cal Poly, SIU, Edwardsville, and Kennesaw State. How much of a difference is it with the RPI system and the new net system? I know we have advanced analytics that are a part of the net, but when you schedule those worst of the worst teams, how much does it hurt you even a net compared to the RPI? It still dings you. The difference between the net and the RPI formula was the RPI factored in location. So if you scheduled a team on the road and you won, you got more than just a regular win. It was like a 1.4 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and a home was uh, 0.6, neutral was even. Uh, this the, the formula now, it's your opponent's record and your opponent's opponent's record. So it's strictly based on the record. I, I, I don't think it is a huge component of the net, but those numbers are out there on the team sheet for the committee to look at. And teams teams will get dinged if it's if their number is way too high, and that's why I was hesitant to put Penn State. They're hovering around three thirty out of three fifty three, and that you know teams have been kept out of the tournament uh, because of that. Just look at Virginia Tech and Seth Greenberg and all of his rants. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Hey, Wisconsin, you've uh, they, they've really uh, they opened some eyes in the last couple of weeks, particularly they've got they've clawed themselves into a tie uh, in the uh, in the Big Ten. I think they're second with a whole group of teams uh, right now. But you've got Wisconsin still with some work to go, and only a nine seed at this point, Shelby. What hurts Wisconsin in your mind? Yeah, I think overall uh, the neutral part. Co- Court lost to New Mexico. That's a stinker. It's not enough to really move them down too much. It's just the quantity of losses at this point. They've got more than a lot of other teams around them. I, I think they probably will end up higher, and we're getting to a point in the season where double-digit double losses are a little bit more common. But you know, they, they hovered around the 500 mark for quite a while, and they've done you know they've done nice work. But in recent weeks, they really haven't beaten anybody enough. Or high enough to where it would give them a big boost. Uh, they've beaten good teams, but not you know not the top tier quad one A teams. Uh, Michigan State at home that happened on February first, but since then they've only played. Let me see, one, two, two games against quad one. They won one and lost one, and then they're playing quad two, and there's a quad three game in there as well. So their, their schedule was a little bit forgiving to them kind of gave them, I hate to say a break, but a little bit instead of playing all tough teams. Uh, and so that didn't really afford them the opportunity to move up too high. So I'm going to help you out. I was telling Ken earlier, I already got one of the Dayton matchups. As long as UCLA does enough here in the final couple of weeks to get in, they're absolutely matching them up with Cincinnati. Mick Cronin against his old team, uh, the Bearcats, in Dayton. Lock it in right now, Shelby, in your bracket, okay? Hmm. I just brought UCLA back from the dead. Yeah, last this past weekend, I had been, uh, you know, a buddy of mine's been telling me you got to watch them. I know they're they're not going to make it. They're dead, <laughs> and well, they're not anymore. But I, I'm okay with what I've got right now with Cincinnati as a play-in game, and, and the winner of that playing West Virginia. How about that, Bob Huggins? Yes. There you go. That wouldn't be bad. No doubt about that. I, if, didn't do that. I didn't do it on purpose. It right. worked out that way. If West Virginia can hold their place, because they're circling yeah. the drain, as you well know. Shelby, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Bracketwag.com. Bracketwag.com. Thank you, Shelby. 
Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Shelby Mast, uh, BracketWag.com, joining the program as he joins us each and every Tuesday uh, during college basketball season. Well, once the calendar moves mm-hmm. into February, for sure. All right, Scott Dockerman's in Indianapolis. He's had a busy morning. We'll uh, pick Doc Brain as to what he's seen. We'll get his take on Michigan State versus Iowa tonight. He's covered a lot of those games you were referring to, Trent, <laughs> that uh, didn't go well. Uh, and then Zuba Mahente. Busy 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.